Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today you're going to hear me talk to Rosie Radwell, who recently marked her 20th year as Managing Director at the Marsham Court Hotel in Bournemouth, which is an incredible achievement in itself. During that time, both the hotel and Rosie have won multiple awards and the Marsham Court continues to be a flagship hotel and venue on the South Coast. Another remarkable thing about Rosie is that her family have been hoteliers in Bournemouth for over 70 years. So Rosie quite literally grew up in and around the hotel and hospitality industry. As she says herself, hotels are in her blood. I was therefore fascinated to learn the impact this has had upon her and about the pleasures and pressures of continuing that proud family legacy. As well as all of these topics, Rosie and I examine the importance of building loyalty with guests, staff and contractors, how she competes with the big hotel chains, coping with the upheavals of post-COVID travel, and what she has learned from a significant period of family loss and turbulence. It's a really open and an honest discussion. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Rosie, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Really excited to talk to you about your own entrepreneurial journey, how that's evolved over the years, but in particular, family businesses. So I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. And for our listeners, we should probably put some context into that. Your family have been hoteliers in Bournemouth for more than 70 years and have owned the Marsham Court Hotel for more than 30. So you must have some great early memories of being part of the hotel industry, being brought up in hotels, I assume. Um, And did you always therefore think you were going to play a part in the family business? Well, I suppose when you're born into it and you've lived for the first nine years, I lived in a hotel, shared a room with my older brother, Russell. um, And we had a two bedroom apartment within the hotel but you literally get brought up having your bath in the kitchen sink yeah. while everyone's doing work around you. And it was just your way of life. You didn't know anything else. I, it, I think I was eight before we moved into an actual house. Right. And we lived in a house for three years and then it was back into a hotel again. Okay, so it's only a short spell not living, growing up within the hotel environment. Yeah, always living on property and you you just get used to it. Everyone sort of thinks it's a, probably a really gra- glamorous life because <laughs> yeah. you, you can go to the kitchen whenever you want and the bar whenever you want, but they don't realise that you can get called 24-7 as well. So, yeah. difficult. Definitely, definitely. And how did you think being part of that family business and growing up kind of changed you as an individual? I mean, obviously, the hotel industry is a hard-working industry, so you must have seen your parents you know the hard graft the hard yards 
being played out? Yeah, it it was difficult. I mean, when my parents were in it together, my dad was um, president of the Hotel and Restaurants Association back on in the day, and was on. Uh, South Today News nearly every single night and it was sort of like oh my god is that my dad again but yeah actually (laughs) looking back now it's a really proud moment saying that's what my dad did and my mum was very well thought of within the industry Um, she got um, some lifetime achievement awards within the the hospitality community within Bournemouth um, for everything that she did so wow fantastic and was it just a fait accompli that you would run into the hotel industry and you would be part of the family business or what was your journey into I mean you're now and have been for the last 20 years MD of the Martian yeah. Court so what was your journey? Well um, for the last sort of when I was about 16 I was like I am not going into hospitality I am not doing it and I wanted to be a fashion designer and that lasted all of about a year and then I changed course halfway through my first year in sixth form and went into business studies. And at the end of that, I ended up doing hotel and catering. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quite know how it all happened, but it just sort of slotted in. But the one thing I was more eager to do was to prove myself that I wasn't just their daughter and that yeah. I've fallen into it. So I went to America for a few years and ran a kitchen feeding 850 plus children three meals a day on a Jewish reformed camp. Wow. So, wow, yeah, that must have been an amazing experience. Oh, it was great fun. Loved it. Had 25 staff every year. They were from different places, nationalities. Some had never worked before, trying to teach them English at the same time. It was all great fun. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So you look back on those memories with fondness then? Oh, very much so. I'm still in touch with a lot of them. was there for on and off for six years. Right. So really enjoyed that. And then came back into the family business. Came back. So when I used to come back in the winter, I used to actually work in different hotels in town. So I wasn't working for the family. um, So I could sort of prove myself, as it were. And then I think towards the end, my stepsister, they had bought a hotel for my stepsister. um, And it didn't quite plan out the way it was expected to work with her fiancé at the time. So I sort of came back and went into the business with her. And then we realised that business was too small. So we sold that one and bought another one. Right. Wow. So So plenty of changes over the years. But as MD of the Marsham Court, you must have some really fond memories. And when you look back, what are some of the things that you reflect on with a smile on your face and a sense of achievement, Rosie? Crikey, there's, there's so many things. There's... The, the changes of the hotel and the refurbishment and what's been accomplished, the relationship we have with our staff and our team. Um, I'm actually godmother to one of the children of the employers that used to work for us. And it's like they have their own thing called the Marsham Court Legends. And they, <laughs> oh, keep, like that. That, they keep that going. It's an alumni. Yeah. yeah, and one of my favourite memories was when my mum became poorly... Um, we she wanted a staff party and we contacted the staff that used to work for us at the Bonnington Hotel, the Westcliff Hall and ex-staff from the Marsham Court and within a couple of weeks we had 150 staff from all around the country who just came over for a party to see my mum towards the end of her life and that was one of wow. her favourite memories. It's exactly what she wanted but staff that used to work for us for 40 years ago, we're still in contact with them now. That's incredible. And it's like isn't it? a big family. 
So I was just about to say, so do you think because it's a family business and it's so ingrained in the family that it does change the way you look after your people and it becomes one big family? Um, yeah, I would. I mean, they mean the world to us. You, When I first started a journey after my mum had passed away, we wanted to um, re-look at the Marsham Court, restructure, yeah. what were we going to do? And I got a consultant in to help us who is amazing at what he does. Um, but I was... He'd come from a corporate background and it was one of the things we discussed first. Don't do anything. Work with them for six months before you look at restructuring. And it opened his eyes as well as my eyes on his side and our side and the differences. And you can't knock loyalty. I think a lot of companies do. But if you give your staff and help them, they help you in return. And I think a lot of people take that for granted. No, definitely, definitely. And it is one of those things, isn't it, that any owner-managed independent business can do that sets them apart from the corporates, aren't there? But I suppose you're, that's a, you know, an interesting discussion in itself, isn't it? Because uh, even within Bournemouth, the number of independent, significant independent hotels is a diminishing number. Certainly is. And the number of travel lodges, premier inns, whatever it may be, is emerging and growing all the time. How do you compete against the? How do you create noise in the market against those big corporates? Well, I think a lot of it is corporates are restrained in what they can do and what they can go after because their campaigns are normally done nationally their marketing's done nationally for us we had to very quickly go okay this is the market we want to go for and this is how we're going to do it and we've got far smaller budgets on our marketing but it's one of it's one of the things that we've got is one of the best people that we employed outside the family first person ever to become a director that's not in the family was Jane who is almost like a sister and I have told her she's not allowed to retire until I I'm ready (laughs) to go (laughs) that's many years away (laughs) exactly so uh, I've had to make that quite official to her in her contract (laughs) she's never allowed to leave but Jane didn't have the hospitality background um as the rest of us had and it was a fresh set of eyes and very much the she looks at things slightly differently to I to myself and we we have that proper discussion over it and it's really nice but Jane has been is a huge important part of our business going forward yeah. and first person with not within the family that wow. became a director that must have been a, it was a big, big decision. decision yeah it was Wow, big decision because that's yeah that, that yeah that must have been that kind of lump in the throat gonna have to trust in someone else gonna have to grow the business in a different way yeah, yeah. wow and in in that regard you can obviously market against the nationals but pricing i mean they can be so aggressive in the market in terms of their pricing i suppose that comes down to you just having a different offering doesn't it it, it certainly is. In Bournemouth, we've got the two largest dance floors in Bournemouth. So we very much go towards the groups, which is not necessarily what the corporates are after. Yeah. But I mean, especially if COVID taught you anything, your corporate market all of a sudden zooms out yeah. there, team, Microsoft Teams, and it's it's a whole different ball game. And whether that market comes back as strong as it used to be, I don't know. But for our groups... That's what we focus on, and it's it's solid business throughout the year, but we do it, and we do it well. So if you do a market, 
stick to your guns and follow it through, do it well. Yeah, so really have that niche, follow it through, do it well. Yeah. And did is that niche for you, you know, the kind of groups and the group bookings and the dance side of things emerged over time or was it a very clear focus for the business from the start? We've been doing groups all the way through, but I think literally probably about 20 years ago we sort of went okay we really need to focus on different areas of groups yeah. not just coach groups or bowls groups it dance was a big thing with the yeah. strictlies and stuff like that we have a lot of bridge groups the the people that are retired have the money and can go away at any time of the year so that's what we focus on that's- we do all sorts of things now art holidays crochet holidays you name it, we'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> anything that brings the people exactly. in so that you can look after yeah. them in the great way that you do. If you could just, you know, thinking about the hospitality sector and perhaps the hotel industry specifically, what do you think five things are that make a great hotel? I suppose the first and foremost is your welcome and your customer service as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah, that's If smile. that's not right you're not going to win them over and you have to make sure that they feel comfortable for a lot of our guests we are a home from home we are their second home some guests that we have in the hotel come four to five times a year they don't stay anywhere else they literally come to us and they have the same room the same table in the restaurant they like what they like they're creatures of habit yeah and that's what we provide for them brilliant so the welcome and customer services number one number one um Obviously, your sleep quality within a hotel. Yeah. Um, if you if you don't get a good night's sleep, yeah. it's a real frustrating um, problem. But the cleanliness, you've got the food and drink aspect of yeah. what you're offering. Um, our chef is very good and we're now well known in the area for our banqueting, as you well know. Yeah, we've used you as part of the role <laughs> for our business leaders' lunches exactly. and always go down a storm. Yeah. yeah, and then I suppose the last thing is probably the facilities, yeah. making sure you've got the right facilities, that you look after your facilities, and it's a constant reinvestment in refurbishing yeah. them. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Because, I mean, I suppose I'm used to... Um, service kind of based industries and you know but you you know you have this kind of constant need to look after the property to care for the property to replenish it to refurbish rooms you know I know you've been through a huge refurbishment program in the last few years yeah and maybe you should touch on with our (laughs) listeners on on what you've done because I think when, when I listen to you speak about that, you speak about the passion about why you've done that, but also it's opened up new markets for you, hasn't it? It certainly has. So we started off um, about five years ago redoing our refurbishment of our bedrooms. And we have we had 87 at the time. We now have 95. Okay. Um, we have two apartments that used to be old staff accommodation that have been changed over the years. And we changed those into apartments for guests and then the main one was our function rooms we we had some beautiful located function rooms but just not looking the way they needed to look and our restaurant our main restaurant the plantation was probably by far our biggest um, project it cost 200,000 I think and I made them do it within 12 days <laughs> that's <laughs> wow. removing a pillar 
putting in skylights, redoing the whole electrics, moving the bar, um, new steel working. I mean, it was a huge project, but I only had 12 days where I didn't have bookings either side because everyone assumes you're quiet in the winter, but we've had the same business every weekend, this is, this January group, and February. Group yeah, group again. business going for 20, 30 years. So you have to fit it in in the times that you can. Um, but it does help because we have nine function rooms on the ground floor, so we can move our restaurant where needs be, but the rest, the main restaurant, um, it seats 230 right. people for a banquet. So it's large and it's not a small job to redecorate that at all. Right. So, yeah. And do you feel like you're the custodian of the property? Do you know, you know it's a family business and I don't, we might talk about next generation and mm. I know, you know, you've got other family in the business, but do you feel it's in your, you know, as I say, do you feel like you're the custodian of the business and the property or do you think you're free and independent to do what you want with the business? Um, I'd like to say we were probably free and independent to do what we wanted. I mean, we've got a good relationship. We're on a lease property, so we've got the good relationship and that's one of the business um, things that we're tackling at the moment is re-extending that um, lease so we can progress and continue the business going the right way. Um, But that's the good thing about being an independent. When Mm. something needs to be done, you don't have to wait three months for a head office no. to come back and say you can just go ahead and do it and I I suppose that also I'm so used to that now it probably makes me unemployable to the rest <laughs> of the world <laughs> don't think I could go and work for anybody else these days and have you ever thought of opening another hotel I mean or is, is one enough we did have another hotel okay. we, we um we used to have the pavilion hotel which was um had a few issues maintenance wise so we sat there one day and thought it'd be nice to knock it down and rebuild. So we rebuilt and reopened in 2006, the Ramada Encore Bournemouth, which okay. is now the Holiday Inn. Yeah. Um, which is completely different to how we are at the Marsham Court. Because that systems processes, everybody gets the yeah. same. There's no it, Well, it's full service and um, catering, whereas the Ramada Encore at the time was the budget B&B style hotel with yeah. a little bit of food offering, but not on the scale we did at the Marsham Court. So there was bits on both business that worked well, but then, you know, when the when the um, recession hit in 2008, corporate business left again, which yeah. is what Mar- the Ramada was sort of all about, looking all it? about. So it was a bit difficult. So we always referred to the Marsham Court as the cash cow because it, kept giving right the way through the winter it's got all year round business yeah which for a hospitality business in Bournemouth is amazing (laughs) (laughs) so um when your recessions do hit it does make sense to have more of the model of the Marsham Court than yeah what we had with the Ramada and then that made you exit the Ramada did it just decide that actually we'll focus on the one at that point it wasn't so much that we were the family business set up at the time um was my my mum, my stepfather, my stepsister, her husband and myself, the five of us. And we went through a few years of a rocky patch. So unfortunately, my stepfather died quite suddenly. Oh, my mum had terminal cancer. We found out Brendan had terminal cancer at the same time. Oh, and Zoe and I were right in the middle of changing banks. So we were sort of 
lumbered in it from where our stepfather was our chartered accountant so uh, it he taught us as much as he could but obviously not enough at the time because he went very suddenly and it was a bit okay oh. what we're going to do here Grimes. so um the the change of business with the way Ramada went was because at the end of all the inheritance and stuff like that there's five kids and five kids in a business is not going to work. It's hard enough with three of us sometimes, but with five of us, it's just a whole new ball game. Yeah. So we sold the Ramada because my stepsister with her husband, um, unfortunately, passed away a year later. He he wasn't well. They wanted out of the business. So we sold the Ramada, bought them out of the Marsham Court, and now my brothers and I are back in the Marsham Court together. Right. Because so, you... yeah. You sometimes forget that, don't you? In a family business, it is a family. And therefore, you know, all of our businesses are impacted on what goes on in our personal lives, aren't they? But when it's a family, yeah, it, the one and the two you are the same. Sideswiped side quite quickly you sometimes. Can, can't you? Mm. Period of resilience for you then. What did you learn from Definitely. that period, Rosie? Um, oh, I suppose the, one of the biggest struggles was being thrown right in at the deep end. Um, learning from the bank, have you, have, you know, what do you want to change? How do you want to do it? Have you done your figures? All of a sudden, my stepsister and I are doing all the budgeting, the accounts, making sure everything looks right to the bank. Because when you owe the bank a lot of money, mm. you want to make sure those <laughs> figures add up. You and you're, oh, yeah, you've got to keep the bank manager happy. <laughs> and they still talk about Hugh now. Um, so, yeah, we have... You know, it was a learning curve, but I think the the one big, the straight, the biggest strain was changing banks straight after Hugh died um, and going back to the Marsham Court because we had franchised it for a while and because the previous bank wanted us to and it was making that change to go back to the Marsham Court. Okay, I remember now. Uh, yeah. It was a Best Western we, for a No, while. We, we were at Day's Hotel. Day's Hotel, sorry. So we, yeah. we had to franchise with the previous bank um, and it was difficult for brands at the time. We didn't want to go with a Ramada full service because we were afraid it would dilute the Ramada Encore, but we were... Yeah. It was a real struggle. Two years it took us to make the change, but recession hit, and the when we went with Days Hotel, a lot of the brands or the people that had applied pulled out because they didn't have the money because of the recession. Yeah. So we were sort of on our own. I think there was 10 in the whole country, and it just didn't work for us. So it, after three and a half years, changed banks, yeah. went back to Marsham Court. Became an independent again yeah. and have thrived ever since. Uh, yeah, basically. It was like tried to do what we could do to get our name back on the map. And I think a lot of that has happened even through COVID because yeah. we continued and stuck to our guns with doing our refurbishment, changing how we were, went to four star. So there's been a big, huge change in the last few years of everything we've yeah. done. And that's just made us stronger I and mean, better. You mentioned COVID and we should probably talk about it, isn't it? Because... The closure of the hotel for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> period of time, yeah. And, well, more than one period of yeah. time. And you obviously do live on site. That must have been just a traumatic period. It was... I suppose it has its good things and its bad things. For a, 
a period of time I had probably the largest largest back garden anyone had. <laughs> it was a car park with a table with four chairs in the middle, but it was great for the dogs. They loved running around. Um, but yeah, it was a really bizarre feeling being in a hotel with 95 bedrooms um, and no one there. Yeah, because all, no all of our businesses were affected in some way, shape or form, but we didn't see it in the same way did we or we were still mm-hmm. you know, in, in my case fortuitously enough being able to operate without all the team working remotely but you had that reminder every day when you yeah. went in to do a security check or or go into the hotel that it was empty well it was it wasn't just that you have to look at the insurance so you have to have somebody on the property 24 yeah. 7 um so there was a, about three of us that were living on the property at the time um You've still got to run your taps twice a week because otherwise you've got the Legionellas. You've got to have your lift serviced every three months. You've got to have... I mean, it's a knock-on effect of everything that went on. And it cost us £45,000 a month or thereabouts to be shut. And um, we got 33000 from the government in grants in total for in total for, and we were closed for 12 months out oh. of 15 so it was a very mm-hmm. bizarre time and even when we did reopen the first two weeks of reopening because of the major incident we had all our bookings for literally the first sort of 10 days two weeks when we reopened all pulled out we had three rooms the first week and one bedroom for the first weekend we were open, and I just sat there going, oh, oh my God. Would it ever return to normality? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, but it did, though, didn't it? That That's the thing I always think about with the hospitality sector, is is it came back, but it didn't just... It wasn't just... You no, know, obviously you had that stuttering period, but yeah. then you had a summer yeah. where it just... It just seemed like the hospitality sector was overwhelmed with demand, and that must be as difficult to manage as... Well, no I, th- I think 2020 was, it was a fair summer. You still had the same team. Um, you still had the same processes. Nothing too much had changed at that point. But in September 2020, we closed the hotel for the whole winter. Yeah. And we didn't reopen till the May. We had, we were probably the only hotel in Bournemouth that did open for a few conferences when we could. Yeah. Um, because somewhere, somewhere, they had to go somewhere, but... Yeah. A lot of places did not reopen for conferencing for a year. Um, but when we opened in May 2021, it was new systems, new staff, new everything. And it was absolutely full on last summer because all of a sudden everyone still couldn't go abroad, but they wanted to go out on a holiday because a year was enough was enough and they wanted their summer holidays. And the hospitality industry as a whole you had restaurants that were still half full Mm -hmm. couldn't open fully because they didn't have the staff to open fully so we got a knock-on effect of more people staying in for dinner and not having enough staff but you can't send them away because there's nowhere else for them to go so it was a it was a real battle last summer yeah i have never made so many beds in all my life (laughs) (laughs) All hands to the pump, was it? It was indeed. It was indeed. Definitely. And what do you think your expectations for 2022 are then? And going forward, do you think some normality is going to return to the industry? I would say some normality has. Um, The booking patterns have changed for guests. 
they tend to book a lot later now unless they're with a group but the groups probably even though they're coming back they're probably not up to numbers the way they were before covid um because there are still some people that are dubious about going out and leaving the house and some people that still haven't left the house since covid so you've got still half and half but it is it is getting it is getting there but of course you know you can sit there and say we've had a great july but all your costs and everything have gone up so it's had a knock-on effect throughout the whole industry um with everyone's cost of living that's why bookings are last minute because it's a question of whether the people can afford to go yeah away for a night and i suppose it's just in anything in life now people are leaving it to the last minute because of that uncertainty yeah. and, and that lack of not lack of trust but it's a, that lack of wondering what's next isn't yeah. it i suppose and that's just made everybody a bit more hesitant which must make it difficult for you to plan it does make it difficult to plan i think we probably had um extra help in staycations this year because airlines not being able to yeah. provide um, what they were selling yeah. um, so that has helped in respect but my cousin's in the travel industry and listening to her and what she's going through every day I sort of sit there and think oh god yeah. it's it's not back to normal for a lot of people and we've just got to be thankful for everything you can get yeah so as a leader what would you describe as your own leadership style how do you how do you fulfill your role as the MD I suppose I like to say I was firm but fair. Okay. For me, um, family life and having that balance is a big thing for me. Yeah. I want it and my staff should have it too. Yeah. So try to be as fair to them as possible. Um, obviously, within reason. <laughs> yeah. You know? Can't have everyone off for the whole summer, but we there are a lot of firms that don't allow holidays in the summer we're one of the few that do yeah so but we have to minimalize it so that everyone gets a chance to have some time off okay firm but fair firm but fair there you are okay that sums Rosie up apparently firm but fair. <laughs> um one of the things that you know often see in terms of the press and pr about the hotel is you've won a number of awards over the years which of those awards are you most proud of Rosie well, there's a few. Um, I was. I'm going to have to mention it. I can't believe you still beat me that time, though, Warren. But I'll never forget that. <laughs> but as soon as I sat down at the table, I was like, "Yeah, Warren's got this in the bag." Oh, no. <laughs> um, I suppose there's there's been a few that we're really excited about because it's not just us and what we've done. It's about the whole team. But our our most popular one is the one that we've just won recently, which was a Katie's, which is like the Oscar of hospitality. Okay. And um, it's for accessibility. Okay. And it's one of the things that we've focused on in the last year and a half. Um, we've put changing places in, sensory room, hoist to our swimming pool, um, raised the whole terrace at the front and had an accessible lift put in there. And we've had ceiling hoists and profiling beds put in a couple of our bedrooms, which have become so popular. We're doing three more this winter. Wow. So, but that, again, is finding yeah. a niche, finding something where... Finding a that niche. hospitality, care with sector, going mm-hmm. with it, following kind of, following your nose. Yeah. And, and then investing. Yeah. 
Definitely. And uh, doing that all whilst COVID is happening as well. So <laughs> never stop. Just go with it. <laughs> so when you look at it, you know, you know, family being hoteliers for seventy years. We talked about the start. You know, it's owned the Marsham Court for more than thirty years. What are your future hopes, dreams, and ambitions for the Marsham Court Hotel, Rosie? Oh crikey! It's quite um, a big question, actually. Isn't it, it? <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's uh, what do we hope for? Well, we hope to. I suppose the accessibility has really shown what we can do as an industry and now it's about trying to get quite a lot of the brands to follow suit in what we've put in place because as a family we feel very strongly that everyone should have the opportunity to be able to go on holiday whatever their restraints. I think a lot of us take it for granted every day that we can walk yeah, and just, run and, yeah. and and do what we want to and do what we, we want, want when we want to do it. But for the people that can't do that, yeah. it's about giving them the same opportunities. But we want to continue what we're doing, continuing to push the message out there for people yeah. and hope that some of the big brands put their hands in their pocket and, and follow, follow suit. suit. And while they don't, the opportunity exists exactly. for you, Rosie. So don't encourage <laughs> them too much. And... You obviously mentioned earlier it's now you and your two brothers in the business. How does that dynamic work? Are you the eldest it, of the three? I am not. I'm the one right in the middle. So oh, I have okay. an older brother, Russell, who's yeah. three years older, and my younger brother, James, who's nine years younger. So James works for me as the operations director, yeah. and Russell does finance and legal, but he lives in Surrey, so he's, okay. he's more... He's away from the business he's remote um but it's fine it works really well because they both realize that i'm in charge so it's great <laughs> it's great rosie's the boss <laughs> and as long as everybody knows that it's fine yeah huh. perfect and i suppose i mean i suppose i need to ask the question how do you think ultimately being entrepreneurial as you are rosie running your own business it being a family business how do you think that's affected your life from a personal perspective? Um, Oh, crikey. Um, I suppose it's it's made me realise because my family, especially my mum, she died at 68 um, and she worked all her life. And making sure that you work hard but you play hard too because she didn't enjoy enough of what she had. She was paranoid about leaving it to the kids and for inheritance but I think actually I wish she'd enjoyed a bit more she'd done a few more things that she wanted to do while she was still here and I think especially when she lost her husband I think she sort of the last three years were so difficult for her it was terminal cancer not being well losing your husband you've lost the fight and I I don't want to get to the point where I've worked so hard that I haven't appreciated and enjoyed it as well so family is a big thing so we've got to enjoy life enjoy your life yeah your mum sounds a remarkable lady never met her but she sounds a remarkable lady it sounds like she was a great inspiration to you Rosie she was she was indeed and so but I have that I, I still have that now with my dad and what he did in the past yeah and even my stepmother and and what she showed me who you you know my stepmother. Yeah, so <laughs> she's a formidable woman. She's a character. <laughs> she is a character. So, um, but she she also has given me strength over the past. Yeah. It's 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 a different kind of relationship, but there every single person in life gives you 
part of who you are. So. Yeah, definitely. All, yeah. yeah, all those connections, isn't yeah. it? Definitely, definitely. And if what, if anything, keeps you awake at night now? You know, what are the things that worry you about the business? My brother's spending too much. <laughs> 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 I have to pull on the pair of strings? No. Um, I suppose it's, you know, COVID really was an eye-opener. And that gave me, towards the end, a lot of sleepless nights because mm. all I saw were workmen and pound signs going out of the door yeah. every single day with nothing coming in and the worry of where, whether we were going to get back to where we were. Yeah. But I think I try not... I'm Sleepless nights, more, more from a menopausal point of view <laughs> than, yeah. than a work, work one, I think. I think it's... Um, you can only do what you can do. There's no... Yeah point worrying losing sleep over things just do yeah. what you what the cards have dealt you and just get on with it, you, yeah. it some things are out of your control but if you can hold your head up at the end of it and go we did our best yeah. that's that's all you can do isn't that it is what it's about and it, mm. yeah that and you just you know you saying it then just hits home what a leap of faith and confidence in the business it was that you kept yeah. on investing kept on yeah. spending in a belief that it would come yeah. back and it has. That's a Fingers crossed it carries going. <laughs> a business owner that has faith and trust in their business and their team, yeah. which is great to see and hear. Um, clearly, you're a really resilient character. Mm. So yeah, what I bit, so. Yeah. I, stubborn, most people would say. Stubborn. Okay. <laughs> I use the word resilient. So I think you're resilient, not, not necessarily stubborn. So let anybody listening to this story and this podcast and the conversation we're having, I think we'll see that. How... How have you built your resilience? Oh, crikey. Um, I think I think it is very much dealing with the things you get dealt. Um, when my stepfather passed away, my mum had terminal cancer and we had just found out my brother-in-law had mm. terminal cancer and we had two buildings, um, 100-odd staff, and all of a sudden you're at the helm, but... You're not just at the helm dealing with everything. I was looking after my mother on a day-to-day basis because she lived on her own and we didn't have carers at the time. Um, You take the stepson to school, you get mum up for work, you wash mum, you dress mum, you take her to all her appointments. All these things take time while still running a business. And I remember several nights sitting in bed literally doing all the accounts putting all the invoices in on the system and just trying to physically catch up with work and then it was sort of like okay I've done that I've dealt with it but learn to deal with the stress Mm. the stress there's no point in worrying about things all the time because you could just you then lose the focus on where you're going yeah so I suppose I've my resilience has come from what I've had to do with adversity and, and challenge, and just getting on with it. You yeah, just go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. And then, before we come to the very final question, one last question: What's your happy place? What do you? I mean, clearly, work is a big focus for you. But what do you do? Where's your happy place? Where do you take yourself away from work? Actually, I like curling up at home watching a good film on the sofa with my husband and the dogs lying on top of us. That, for me, is great. The dogs come into work. But having them there, I could never have children of my own. 
So my dogs are like my baby. So, you know, they go pretty much everywhere with me, apart from when I'm going on holiday abroad. Yeah. But yeah, you know... I've got to ask the busman's holiday question there. <laughs> when you say when you go on, can you go on holiday and relax, or are you going away looking at how other people are operating and what are happen- what's happening? I've just come back off a holiday, and it's probably the first time I've ever had to start a complaint process where I was just, I was so appalled by the customer <laughs> service. It was like, oh my God, you just can't say... You, you will always look, because it's your industry, you yeah. can't switch off from seeing how other people do it. If they've done it better than yeah. you, if there's things that you can take back and improve on, if there's things that you think you're doing a five-star service compared to what you're getting at, at the moment, um, you'll never completely switch off. But I do try, if I go abroad, I'll check my phone and my emails once a day and I'll try and leave it at that right. and switch off. Perfect. So final question, always the final question on the podcast. What does success mean to you, Rosie? Um, success. Um, I want to know that the hotel's doing well, that I, when, I, when I'm ready to give it up, I've got a good business worth selling. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, knowing that my staff are happy yeah. in what we do because it's a team effort. Yeah. It's not just me. It's not just my brothers. We have an extended family. And if we achieve well, they do too. And yeah. it's making sure you pass that on to them. Fantastic. Rosie, I've loved our conversation. I've taken some learnings away myself. I'm sure our listeners have. Thank you for being a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.